Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm Tiffany Hsu, and I wrote, he wanted to unclog cities. Now he's public enemy number one for the New York Times, and it's the story of the week. Sometime last year, I started to see people declare online this really weird sentence. I will not eat the bugs. I thought this was strange because these were adults and people over 10 don't usually declare that they will not eat something. So after some searching, I found out why people were talking about eating bugs. The place I found this information, to my surprise, was anti-COVID vaccine websites. Anti-vaxxers argued that the lockdown, mask mandates, and vaccination cards were the beginning of an elite-engineered authoritarian dystopia. And part of this brave new world will involve forced insect eating. These elites will use climate change as an excuse to drive ranchers out of their land so they can buy it up cheap and then we'll be left eating bugs, which will make us weak and easy to manipulate. I don't buy this at all. Every single person I've met who's eaten grasshopper tacos or bowls of fried crickets are tough as hell. And yes, I've had them both. Writing is hard, who's got that kind of time? When you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob Calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job Auditory, single story, just listen to smart people speak Conversation filled with information, it's the story of the Tiffany Hsu is a reporter who covers conspiracy theories for the New York Times. 
She found out what's really behind the elite's plan to imprison us in walled-off areas called 15-minute cities. So, Tiffany, do you live in a 15-minute city? Where are you? I'm in um, a little town in the East Bay near San Francisco. Are you in Fremont? Are you in Piedmont? Where are you? You know, I actually prefer not to say because I deal with so many yeah. crazies in my work. <laughs> oh, are you? do you mean me? Uh, I don't know yet. We haven't talked for very long. Okay. Well, can, how long does it take you to get to like a coffee shop or a grocery store or a drug dealer? I mean, if I'm if I'm driving, it takes two minutes. If I'm walking, I could get there in 20, but I'm, I'm a very slow okay. walker. <laughs> so you live in a 20 minute city. Yeah. Your story is about this professor in France who came up with this idea of the 15 minute city. Yeah. So this, this guy is named Carlos Moreno. He's uh, a professor at the university of Paris, one Pantheon Sorbonne. Which is not the Sorbonne, right? It is not the Sorbonne. There uh, are apparently many, many, many different variations uh, of universities with the name Sorbonne in them. He has a long and varied career. He started working as a researcher in a computer science and robotics lab in 1983. Uh, This was after he moved to Paris from Colombia, which is where he was born. Um, He moved over to France as a political refugee when he was 20. Oh, why was he a political refugee? When he was very young, he spent some time with the April 19th leftist movement. So they were like communist guerrillas, right? Taking on the right-wing party there. Right. Oh, wow. Okay, so he was in this guerrilla movement and then he had to to leave Colombia. And he chose Paris. There are worse options, yes. Yeah. And so what did he start doing in France? He goes to school, and then in 1983, he starts working as a researcher. He's worked in fields like automotive, medical, nuclear, military. He says that he helped create the first robot vacuum cleaner. Um, oh. He was doing some home goods work. Well, you sound like you don't believe him. I mean, I don't know too much about the the history of robot vacuum cleaning. Do you have one? We have a Roomba, yeah. It's amazing, right? Like, as good oh, as this 15-minute city idea... It's not as good as the Roomba. No, no, no. I mean, the baby's terrified of it, but maybe that's a good thing. She needs to toughen up. So what's he like as a person? He's lovely. Um, I mean, we had a Zoom with him when I was reporting the story. And, you know, he shows up. He's wearing wearing that stereotypical French black turtleneck. He's got the glasses on. He's got that lovely accent. He's just like a lovely professorial type. So he comes up with this idea of the 15-minute city not that long ago, right? Yeah. So in 2010, he starts thinking about sustainable and tech-empowered cities. And eventually that idea gets refined into this 2016 proposal for 15-minute cities. And the idea is extremely straightforward, that residents should be within a 15-minute walk, bike ride, or public transportation trip to all the daily necessities that they need. Grocery stores, parks, schools, workplaces, medical care, that sort of thing. Walk or bike? Those seem like very different 15 minutes. Yeah, the idea is just to give people closer accessibility to the things that they need in their lives. And the hope is that you're not using a car. So is it a climate change thing or it could be a traffic thing or is it a way to have people socially connect instead of be lonely? Like what is the main point of the 15-minute city. So Carlos Moreno makes a point to not call it a climate change idea or an anti-car idea. He always likes to say that it's about 
making things easier for the person. And the added benefit of that is that it helps the environment because it it limits the amount of time that you're spending in a car. So where did Carlos Moreno get this idea for the 15-minute city? It's based on more than a century of related thinking, um, stretching back through the 1800s. Neighborhood units, garden cities, there's uh, new urbanism and walkable cities in the 1990s. Basically anything that was proposed by the urban activist Jane Jacobs in the 1960s. No, I know we did this episode on this group called Buy Nothing. People got pissed off because they thought that would just increase gentrification, that you know, if you kept people in their area, the rich people would get to do all the rich things and the poor people would be kept out of it. That's a concern, I assume, with 15-minute cities that, you know, you're you're asking the people with less money to stay in their part of the city. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the criticism, which is that if only certain areas get the benefits of a 15-minute neighborhood, then they obviously become more desirable and then poor people get priced out. And, you know, of course, if you're a marginalized community, you're probably going to be hesitant about amenities that, in your experience, are spurring gentrification and displacement. And this is especially the case in the U.S. because of the way American cities are designed, because you would need so much money and so much effort to rejigger an American city into a 15-minute format. Okay. And is anyone adopting this or who's into this 15-minute city idea? Many, many people are into this. The Parisian mayor, Anne Hidalgo, made it like a core tenant of her re-election campaign in 2020, which she won. More than 100 mayors uh, that are part of this group called the C40 mayors, they all adopted it It as a way to recover from the pandemic. It feels like there should only be 40 mayors. You would think. This is my conspiracy theory. There's something wrong with the C40. There are 60 mayors that are being suppressed somehow. They're not being represented. (laughs) Okay, so there's 100 mayors who are into this idea. Right, right. And, and you know, there, there are different variations of this, and, and there have been for a while. Like, Portland has 20-minute neighborhoods. Barcelona has these super blocks that are, like, nine-block chunks. Sweden oh. has a one-minute city. A one-minute city? Yeah, a one-minute city. Is that just your house? I think I've been living in a one-minute city for since the pandemic started. <laughs> in Sweden, the idea is that residents of a single street can design how much space on that street is used for public services, like parking. So it's it's like a single street. Oh, Okay. So they went to implement this 15-minute city idea in Oxford, in England, home of the the college. What was their plan on how to do this? So the Oxford situation is pretty complicated. And insane. Completely, but we'll get to that. Okay, sorry. The Oxfordshire County Council had championed this idea called uh, low-traffic neighborhoods. That's LTNs for short. And Ugh, I already don't like it once you abbreviate stuff. Yeah, the alphabet soup is not great, but, you know, they're yeah. not marketers. They're, they're city planners. And the idea is that you'd have to get a permit to drive through certain areas at certain times of day. Um, and that's enforced by by cameras. Right. So it's the same principle as like a red light camera, which is unfortunately something I'm very familiar with. Oh, have you gotten a lot of tickets? I mean, I, I live in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. The idea in in Oxford County was that you would kind of limit the number of cars that were moving through high traffic areas in certain times of day. And that would help with congestion. It would help with traffic flow. It would be a little bit cleaner for the environment. So you have a certain amount of times you're allowed to leave your zone per year or? No, no. I mean, you can travel wherever, wherever you want. 
it's just that they are using this to encourage you to avoid traversing through certain areas at certain times of day. If you really want to go through, you can go through. They're not stopping you. There are no physical barriers. It's more of a permitting system. So, so they can better keep track of how many cars are moving through like a specific space at a specific time. And I think there is a fine system in place if you're going through oh. too often. Okay. So you can go a certain amount of times. If you go too many, you get fined. That's my understanding. And what if you live like right near the border and you're like, you know, your sick mom is on the other side of the border. Like I, a think, block they, away. I think the hope is maybe you walk, maybe you take a bike, maybe oh, you take public right. transit, you know? Okay. And, and people did not love this idea. Some people loved the idea, but many, many people did not love the idea. There was a 2,000-person protest in Oxford in February by people who took the idea out of context and then conflated it with a separate idea. And this is where it gets a little bit complicated. Okay, wait. Are these Oxfordshireans? Or are these people who are coming from elsewhere to protest? Because that's a lot of people. No, so so this is one of the interesting things about this particular case, which is that so many people who have had no prior connection to Oxford suddenly show up in the debate. There were researchers who were saying that there was evidence that people had been kind of bussed in from outside the area to protest, that there were political groups that have nothing to do with Oxford. There was this idea that all of a sudden this Oxfordshire concept had blown up into a national or international outrage. Yeah, this was a, a huge deal, uh, considering, like, Oxford, I've never been there. Is it is it as small as I want it to be? And is everyone dressed in, like, the robes and the cardboard hats? It looks like Harry Potter, I assume. I've never been, um, but it's oh, not I a big that. place. Okay. And what are they pissed off about? So a lot of these people showed up, and they're waving signs saying you know, no to the 15-minute city, which is ridiculous because what is happening in Oxford County has nothing to do with the 15-minute city. Low-traffic oh. neighborhoods are not 15-minute cities. They're, they're completely different. One concept is concerned with limiting cars. The other concept is focused on bringing daily necessities closer to residents. So Oxford City Council had cited the 15-minute city as an inspiration for its, like, grand vision of the city in 2040. Oh. That's where the mix-up comes from. So they have a plan to be a 15-minute city in 2040, which is like a second in Oxford time. Uh, But for now, they're just reducing traffic. 2,000 people protest this, but they're they're worried about more than just this rule. They think this is part of a bigger plan. Right. The conspiracy theorists uh, get involved. This is your stuff, right? Like you 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 cover conspiracy theories. You you see me like giggling, right, with with glee. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's this one tweet from an architecture professor that showed up around this time, and he said, "If I had to guess what would be the batshit conspiracy theory of 2023, I would have never guessed it would be town planning where you can walk to the shops." (laughs) When we come back. All these conspiracy theorists are going to attack a meek old man who is not at all prepared for it. But first, our advertisers are going to tell you about this cool new electric bike with zero carbon emissions. Oh God, the socialists have come for us too. Hey. 
As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay, so there's this conspiracy theory about 50-minute cities. They're afraid that these are little prisons that they're fencing people into in order to control them. Is that the fear? What happened in Oxford, it's like they cracked open the conspiracy theory Bible and started listing off every entry related to government control. I mean, you had people at this protest who were accusing the county or the city, whatever, of, uh, like, surveillance, a movement restriction. They were calling it, like, a modern gulag, prison camps, police state, open-air prisons, fenced off into siloed zones. There was, like, talk of climate lockdown, climate tyranny, confinement, dystopia, urban incarceration. I could go on and on and on. Okay. And someone talks about this on the floor of parliament, right? Right. So there was a British PM um, that got involved. He goes on the floor and he calls it, I think, an international socialist concept that is going to cost our personal freedom. And this is something that has threads starting before the pandemic, but these fears intensify with with COVID-19. So a lot of this is 
is stemming from, you know, valid anxieties about lockdown and quarantine and not being able to go where you want to go. And then that kind of ties in with climate deniers who say that the government used the pandemic as an excuse to lock people down so that they could advance their eco-friendly global warming initiatives. It's a big, complicated mess. It's like a sudden, horrible global convention of extremists and conspiracy theorists just converging on like a single, really benign topic. We've talked about this on podcasts before. I'm still confused by it. The elites are planning the Great Reset, which is actually like the title of some uh, World Economic Forum Davos presentation during COVID. So that's where they get the name, the Great Reset. Mm -hmm. And the Great Reset pens people into small areas where they will own nothing and be happy and they will have to eat bugs. I do not understand this plan. Like, what is in it for the elites? Like, what? how does that benefit the people controlling the world? Control, power, um, all these amorphous ideas that conspiracy theories like to cling to. I mean, none of these ideas make any sense. If they hear a thought from someone else and they can work its way into the existing theory, they'll do that. I mean, conspiracy theories are connected to many other conspiracy theories. You know, QAnon was saying after the Oxford protest that the people behind 15-minute cities were the ones that caused the Ohio train derailment because it was a plan to move everyone from their rural homes into the city oh. and then they could be locked in there. Oh, oh, that's tough. Um it's starting to make sense to me that you would cordon off people and control them like you were Stalin or, or Pol Pot or something. You're just trying to like, it's just about power and control. Yes, in a nutshell. And you would power use, and control. But power and control over a pretty crappy little world. I don't know. I'm not into it. I don't want to <laughs> be in This is why you would never cut it as Pol Pot or Stalin or Hitler. I know. That's Sorry just to one say. of the many reasons. <laughs> but then there's this tweet. There is this tweet from, from Jordan Peterson, the... Canadian psychologist who... Okay, but that's, that's a weak description of Jordan Peterson. Who is Jordan Peterson in popular culture? Jordan Peterson is a men's right activist who yeah. is really a conspiracy theorist in a lot of ways. He was the guy who told guys that they had to make their bed and start being responsible because men were in such bad shape, and he gained a lot of followers. So Jordan Peterson tweets in December that the idea that neighborhoods should be walkable is lovely, The idea that idiot, tyrannical bureaucrats can decide by fiat where you're allowed to drive is perhaps the worst imaginable perversion of that idea. And make no mistake, it's part of a well-documented plan. So all of these conspiracy theorists start to point towards one man, and it's not Soros or Biden. It's our friend. Carlos Moreno. That's right. That is rough. He can't see this coming. He absolutely does not. He spends four decades working pretty peacefully and quietly on on his ideas about robotics and urban planning. And, you know, he's he's won some awards. He's well-respected in the industry, but he is by no means a household name. He is not used at all to the level of attention that he suddenly gets this year from conspiracy theorists. What format does that take? He's getting emails. He's getting social media messages. He was saying things like, I feel like I'm living in a bad movie. This is a crazy world. He quoted a philosopher, which was very on brand for Carlos, saying, ignorance leads to fear. Fear leads to hatred and hatred leads to violence. This is the equation. 
And he's saying this because he's getting these horrible, aggressive, hostile messages from total strangers. I mean, I'll I'll read you some of the snippets. Uh, This madman must be killed. Stupid prick. He should be flattened by a cement roller. He should be nailed into a coffin. Uh, He sent me one that was written in Spanish that called Carlos Maldita Cucaracha Rastrera. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? It means damn crawling cockroach. Uh, And it probably fuels the conspiracy theorists that he used to be a communist. I mean, that fits right in with their theory, right? That's definitely come up, that he is somehow um, an agent of the left because Uh. of his guerrilla past. Um, Again, I'm not entirely clear on what the logic there is, but that was definitely a message he had gotten. He's getting death threats against himself, against his family. He Uh. went to Argentina a few weeks ago for a conference. It was public and it was out in the open air, he said he had to be put under police protection. Um, what? So, so for a guy who is used to talking to other academics and other researchers, he is totally unprepared to deal with this. Uh, so it, it's a total shock. Yeah. And he's not a politician. He's just some guy who came up with the idea, like, the university can't be set up for, to protect professors. Yeah, he said this to me. He said, I'm not equipped for this. He said the university is not equipped to deal with this. And this is a case for a lot of people in his position. People who are more or less anonymous researchers who are suddenly getting slammed by harassment. Right. I mean, now that everything's political, this must be happening to professors everywhere who deal with like anything that's become political, like climate research or COVID research. There are so many incredibly distressing stories of especially COVID researchers uh, recently who have had to go into hiding. You know, there was one woman in Austria. She was a vaccine advocate and and Uh, she committed suicide during the pandemic. It was just getting too much. The threats, the harassment, the online abuse. This is the worst kind of fame. You're not famous to anyone except people who hate you. Right. And those people are very good at coordinating their attacks. And many of them are anonymous, so they don't face repercussions normally. God, it sucks to be a professor right now. Totally. It's especially dangerous now because so many social media safeguards are disappearing. There's this broader erosion of trusts in in experts and institutions. And conspiracy theorists know that instead of debating net zero or carbon taxation policies on their merits, it's so much easier to try to discredit the people who are championing those ideas. So people like Carlos are easier targets than what it is he's proposing. Right. To debate over like how much carbon there should be in the atmosphere is not what this is about. This is about who gets to control the world under what worldview. Right. I mean, that sort of rhetoric is what resonates with with people who are already afraid. And, you know, after the pandemic, people were already on guard against anything that suggested that their personal freedoms would be restricted. No less their cars. You do not mess with people's trucks and cars. Never, never. That's what freedom means. I mean, that's what I was taught in the 80s. That's what Springsteen taught me. (laughs) Anything Springsteen says goes. Are people dropping the 15-minute city concept now that there's been so much anger leveled at it? There may be a chilling effect for for communities that want to adopt it down the line, right? Why would we want to deal with hordes of extremists or, or really even just average citizens who are going to 
protest and picket at our board meetings. Yeah. We just don't have to deal with this right now. Ideas like this that really could help with sustainability efforts, they just won't get off the ground because yeah. people won't want to deal a city with the harassment. Planning commission, why would you ever want to talk about this when there's like a thousand other things that no one cares about that you can work on? Right. There is always a risk that this no longer is a priority because of the harassment that's associated with it. Yeah, you you don't get on a city planning commission to like get go to threats. battle with people. Yeah, right. no, you go there to be a wonk, right? And no, exactly. You don't get into this job to have people screaming in your face about how you're a totalitarian dictator. If you're Fauci, if you're Bill Gates, fine. You know, you are equipped for this sort of thing. You know that your visibility is going to make you a target. But so many of the researchers and academics and professors who are, you know, getting it full force now, they didn't expect it. They're not ready for it. And, and it has really hurt them. This conspiracy theory about 15-minute cities, I'm not hearing anything about uh, drinking children's blood or pedophiles or anything like that. So that links in because the members of the New World Order or the elite cabal are the ones who are often associated with the children's blood drinking, etc. Oh, that's just a perk once you put people in 15-minute cities right. to baby blood. Maybe yeah. maybe it gives you easier access, right? A ready For supply. Sure. Totally. They're right there. You don't have to go more than 15 minutes to get your baby blood. There you go. Tiffany Shu, you wrote, he wanted to unclog cities. Now he's public enemy number one for the New York Times. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining so much of the world to me. <laughs> You're welcome. You're always welcome. Okay. According to the rules, I am uh, supposed to be able to walk in 50 minutes to work, leisure, shopping, education, and healthcare. So I'm gonna give it a shot. I live right next to a park, Griffith Park. There's something you definitely want in your city. Big park. Oh, there's uh, the American Film Institute. The education, that counts, right? I don't think this is explicitly on the list, but I'm walking by a couple kissing on the grass. I mean, they're going at it pretty good. It's only six minutes in, this is impressive. All right. There is a Baskin Robbins ice cream, my least favorite ice cream chain. I think they really get by on claiming to have a lot of flavors, which, you know, that doesn't make a good ice cream store. I don't need that many flavors. I'd rather have good ice cream than like bubblegum ice cream. I do like, I do like the bubblegum ice cream. Maybe I should get some bubblegum ice cream. Well, I've got everything in 15 minutes. A Ralph supermarket, real estate agent, a dentist? There's a dentist up near the supermarket? Huh. Why do I even own a car? This is great. LA gets a really bad rap. Maybe it's because none of us walk and find out what's here. Yeah, we deserve it. At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. Our show is produced by Joey Fishground. Mola Board and Nisha Venka. It was edited by Lydia Jean Cott. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang, and our executive producer is Catherine Girardot. Our theme song was produced by Jonathan Colton. A special thanks to my voice coach, Vicky Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this 
is Story of the Week. Where does this rank compared to other insane conspiracy theory threats that you've written about? Oh, man, I've written about a lot of insane conspiracy theories. Um, I just wrote a story about the the demon horse of the Denver airport. and Wait, you wrote that story? We were also considering doing that story. Oh, that's so funny. You want to just do a two for now? Oh my, yeah. I'm so sorry. I suck with bylines, which makes me really that's bad fun. at this job. You did a whole story about the Denver airport, but it centers around this sculpture of a horse. And the storyline was that you walked through an opening in the horse's genitals, and it was Mm -hmm. a portal for, like, aliens and monsters and other, like, supernatural beings. Uh, I had a guy email me after the story ran saying that every time he drove his three young kids past that statue, he would tell them that once a day it would shoot lasers out of its eyes and vaporize a car. He didn't tell me how much he's now paying for therapy for his kids. (laughs) Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.